Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Marketers, with the end of the third-party cookie fast approaching, it's important to assess what you know about the new solutions being developed. In the latest Institute for Brand Marketing course, Marketing in a Cookie-less World, learn how this industry change may impact your business and how advanced technologies like AI can serve as an alternative to cookies. Designed in collaboration with IBM Watson Advertising and Adweek, this complimentary course offers lessons that take approximately 10 minutes each to complete. Get started today. Visit adweek.com forward slash IBM to get started. That's adweek.com forward slash IBM. Welcome to a special episode of Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. I'm Co M, Adweek's community editor. David Greiner is off this week because we have some special guests with us today. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, several issues that female marketers uh, face in our community. And for that, we have a, a great group um, of women who came together through the Adweek Executive Mentee Program, which I have been honored to be also a part of. But let's just get to our guests. Uh, so first of all, I, I want to welcome Stephanie Barron. Sanderson. Um, hi, Steph. Can you just tell us a little bit about um, what you do and uh, what you're perceived as? And we'll get to that more deeply later, but what you're perceived as. Yes. Hi there. I am um, a marketer. I'm an audio specialist. I am the head of strategy at a boutique creative agency that specializes in audio Wordsworth and Booth. And my perceived uh, persona is uh, that of a cheerleader. Mm. Go team. <laughs> and we're going to welcome to our team uh, today also Charlene Coughlin. Hi, Charlene. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Um, I am the managing director of Twist Creative. We are an independent agency located in Cleveland, Ohio. And I run all day-to-day -day operations of the agency as well as account services. And I am perceived as being aggressive. Mm, mm, okay. And then we have Kelly Bird. Hi, Kelly. 
Hi, Co. Thanks for having me today. I'm glad to be a part of this team. Um, I'm Senior Director of Customer Success and Insights at Onclusive, the data science company for communications. And um, I am very often perceived as being difficult. Mm. Yeah, and difficult um, as a Black woman as as well on top of that, right? Um, the reason why we're all here um, is not to just shed light on these issues, but also um, to highlight the stories that you've shared on adweek.com on a special digital hub uh, where we're talking about women trailblazers and how to break the glass ceiling by also addressing the stereotypes um, that may have hindered us. So what we'll talk about is how do we come to identify, accept, and break out of those stereotypes. And one person who couldn't be with us um, is Emmy Yu, uh, but she wrote about um, being perceived as too introverted, especially as an Asian American woman. Um, so you can read that also on adweek.com. Um, but for now, um, have any of you been um, also perceived as too many of these adjectives, like you could be too difficult and too aggressive, right? Like some of those, they don't, they don't just oh, exist on a single lane. It. What's that Steph? I said, Oh, you know it. I have absolutely. It's funny because, um, I'm the cheerleader, but I'm also the, um, the aggressor <laughs> I'm domineering. Right. It's almost like, um, they can't handle or they don't know what to do with with the energy. Do these kind of personas get put on you by both men and women? Can somebody speak more deeply to that, Charlene? Absolutely. Yeah, I think depending on your role in a company or an agency and who is above you or below you, they can come across in a wide variety of ways. I know I've experienced that both from men that were above me or at the same level as me, as well as women that were part of my team that felt like maybe I was pushing too hard or, you know, I was being difficult. It was so funny when Steph and Kelly were saying their words, I'm like, yep, been called cheerleader. Yep. Been called difficult. We'll just keep checking, checking off the boxes. Um, but I think it's not gender, gender specific, at least what I've experienced. I don't know, Kelly and Steph, obviously, We've all shared our experiences, but it feels like it could come from anyone almost. Yeah, and maybe even the voices that that um, from our own heads, right? The things that we we tell ourselves because of what we get from culture. Um, Kelly, is um, is this particular? I wouldn't say it's particular to the marketing industry, but are are some adjectives more exacerbated, or what what um, do you see and hear from um, the community? Yeah, well, I do think that, um, you know, being kind of perceived and almost like typecast in these ways uh, is unfortunately very common, particularly for professional women. And I will also admit, um, I think even more so for professional women of color um, in the marketing industry and otherwise. And um, I do agree with Charlene that I haven't seen it be, you know, more predominantly men or women or anyone else who has been um, perceiving me in a certain way. But I do find that um, I myself as being a person who certainly, you know, holds myself very accountable and also holds everyone that I work with on a daily basis accountable to the tasks at hand um, has always been uh, perceived sometimes in a positive way for me, but always in a negative way for how it affects others, which I've always found interesting. That's so yeah, that's so interesting. It's like, I'm, I'm doing my work, um, but you're affected by either the way I do my work or the work that I've done really well. 
right? Um, Shirley, you're nodding your head. <laughs> well, it kind of goes right into that story I shared on Adweek. Um, I joined an agency where I was the only female that was on our day-to-day leadership team. And that became very difficult. And I was much younger than most of the rest of the team. And, you know, I work really hard, very much like Kelly and Steph. We've all talked about these in our, our groups. Like, I hold myself to a certain standard and I hold the people around me to a certain standard. And it was often perceived as me being pushy or domineering. And then I had men that actually thought I shouldn't have my job because of it. And it was just, I was doing my job and exceeding my job description and doing things outside my job. Because for me, it's, it's my own personal reputation too, that I want to be known as a hard worker and someone that's pushing business goals and objectives and trying to make everyone around me better, but other people don't always see it that way. And that's really difficult. Have any of you, I don't know if this is the right term, um, you know, for people of color, uh, there's some code switching that happens, but have you ever kind of gender switched um, or leaned into more of your um, basic feminine so that others would feel more comfortable around you? (laughs) (laughs) uh with frequency not as much um now i am pushing 40 very quickly and so i i think i need to less and less but certainly i mean certainly i mean i probably still do it but the the thing that i find is that i have to lean in to the cheerleader stereotype in a room of you know, executive, uh, older men specifically, actually, um, because they're willing to receive information from the peppy, like energetic, positive, let's do this for a team person versus, you know, when I come in with that, you know, um, more aggressive <laughs> uh, tone, it doesn't, it doesn't play in, in that setting. Are we um, all four of us in our thirties or so? Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm jealous of Gen Z, right? They're coming up, like breaking all these, uh, making new ideals. And, you know, when Harry Styles came out wearing a gorgeous uh, couture dress on Vogue. I mean, come on, like that was amazing. But you, you know, you still have like generational um, tropes and whatnot making comments. And, and, and so, you know, Steph, you brought up, you know, the older executives and um, I, I guess, you know, it feels almost like women can't win. You think about Hillary Clinton and, you know, she was kind of perceived as really, really, harsh and um, not warm. But then we have Kamala Harris coming in and she is standing her ground um, and she is able to to say, I'm speaking and um, make her point. Uh, it, it's, I, th- I would like to hope that it's changing. I'm sure she has gone through her own, um, you know, negative experiences. Um, Kelly, do you have anything to add to that? Yes, I just wanted to say that um, I I appreciate you sharing that very prominent example because 
Um, dare I say, I think that the general public has an easier time accepting Kamala Harris in a position of power because she's in a supporting role. Um, she's not, you know, she moved from running for the presidential candidacy um, to the supporting role of the vice presidential candidacy. And not to say that the vice president of the United States of America um, is not powerful, but uh, I think we have seen, you know, and we, we do have the data to see that um, that's a little more easy for the public to accept. Yes, such such a valuable insight there, Kelly. Um, I'm going to go back to the the beginning of the question, and I'm going to tap into my uh, really positive demeanor and say that I do think women can win, and I do think it's getting better. It's just slow to do so. I look at my mom, who is um, a boomer, I am an old millennial, like as in just older, early end of millennial. And I look at what Gen Z is able to do and I am so inspired and I'm so excited about it. And I've tried throughout my career um, to identify, you know, young women who work with me and, and just as much as I can give them as much support and as much advice and as much um, uh, of my knowledge as possible so that they know it younger. I was fortunate enough to have a lot of Gen Z folks doing that for me as I came up in my career. And it's just so important. And I think that's why we're seeing Gen Z able to make some strides. And by the way, Harry Styles, gorgeous. Like that was a gorgeous spread. But um, I think Gen, you know, our, our generation and those who came before us, we're laying groundwork for, um, we're laying groundwork for those who come after. I wish it were faster. There's a, sorry, I'm rambling, but there is a really great study or not study, a platform by Ernst and Young, EY, is that right? EY, um, about um, the gender pay gap and how long at this rate it will take. And it's well over a century at this rate to close, to, to close the pay gap, which I think is really, um, important to notice or to, to note, because what I'm saying is, yes, it's getting better. It's just very slow. Yeah. And hopefully the next generation will kind of accelerate that. And I do think that um, we have to keep looking at the numbers so people don't um, deny what what is actually happening happening on a very real level and a subconscious level. One of our first Ad Week Mentee women's groups, we got together and we were listing all of the typecasting topics and names that we've been called. And then we started digging into topics that address women. And at one point, do you guys remember that we literally said, are we still talking about the gender pay gap? And are we still talking about women being called aggressive? You know, because we thought five, 10 years ago that we would be past it by this point, but it does take time. And, you know, the list of 40 topics that I think we came up with in that first meeting of things that we're all dealing with, yes, they're getting better. It just is going to continue to take time. And that's why we need like the Gen Zers coming up and really pushing us to make sure things are getting better. I just want to comment on that to say, um, I too am inspired by Gen Z. And I think, um, you know, obviously given them growing up with the internet 
pretty much from day one and the access that that brings to your livelihood um, is a is is reflected in that group um, but also I do think that you know although we all understand and especially you know this group as elder millennials per se um, we all understand that you know change and big significant change such as closing the gender pay gap does take time right uh, or it has historically rather taken a significant amount of time. But I think a part of why we admire Gen Z is because, you know, as a group, they are very much saying, well, it shouldn't need to take that much time, right? And dare I say, they're being aggressive in communicating that, right? We, we need to realize the fact that those timelines can be expedited and that, you know, we are all still choosing to accept that it's going to take decades, if not centuries, to change these things when I do believe it is possible to do it much faster. Well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about what we can do and what these elder millennial women would like the marketing industry to do. We'll be right back. With the end of the third-party cookie fast approaching, it's time to assess how your business may be affected and explore new methods for targeting advertising and media measurement. Take the first step with the Institute for Brand Marketing, designed in collaboration with IBM Watson Advertising and Adweek. Our latest complimentary course, Marketing in a Cookieless World, is made up of four short lessons designed to help you navigate a changing world. Visit adweek.com forward slash IBM to get started. That's adweek.com forward slash IBM. I'll just call myself the elder and welcome back. <laughs> and we're going to talk about, um, uh, go back to the stereotypes um, that we have faced as individuals. Um, more than once in our careers and, and what we can do. And I want to talk about um, Charlene's essay first, you know, uh, Steph, you had mentioned um, how you're supporting um, and mentoring and encouraging um, some of the people on your team, but Charlene, what you're asking for is really sponsorship from the men around you. And you have a specific story on um, going back to when, some of your male peers had said, oh, she shouldn't have that job or she should lose that job. So, so what happened and what more do you want to see? Sure. So when that happened, um, you know, I was at the same level as these, the men and my male peers that asked that I be let go because I was pushing things a little bit too hard and being too aggressive. Um, and my CEO, who is a male, said, you guys are crazy. She's increased revenue, she's increased profit margin, she's bringing all this positive change to make us the agency we want to be. And had he not stuck up for me, I wouldn't have the position that I'm in today and be growing in my career path. And that's where I really see an opportunity for men to start identifying their talent and not just other men, but poor people of color. Who are those women that are sometimes not listened to, but have a strong voice and that could be brought to the table. And who are our male peers? You know, when we were met as a mentee group, we had one guy in our group that was going to talk about women issues. Women issues tend to be talked about by women versus other issues where, you know, you, you have a mixed group of people. Um, and we need to change that because nothing's going to change unless everyone comes together to start identifying what are the problems? How do we close that gender pay cap much quicker than, you know, a century from now or however long it's going to take? If it's just women talking about women issues, we're only going to do so much work and we can only change so many minds. We need men sitting at the table with us, mentoring women, not being afraid to mentor or sponsor women 
and also really identifying that talent early on. Yeah. And I think what's been great about this year with the uptick in um, civic engagement with social issues, especially the Black Lives Matter movement, is that um, allies have have shown up, right, for for people of color. Um, of course, we, we want to reach more than just the women facing the issues, even with this podcast, right? But I'm, I'm curious, um, Kelly, how do you deal with um, the pe- the difficult people calling you difficult? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if Charlene, um, you had to work with uh, those those people who who were on not on your side. But Kelly, did you do you feel the need to address that? Like, what what is the right way, or is there a right way? Yeah, I. I will say um, if there's a right way, I'm not sure that I know what it is. <laughs> um, and I, I even hate that this is a situation where, you know, we need to look for a quote unquote right way. However, the way that I've navigated this has admittedly differed depending on the audience. And what I really mean by that is depending on their uh, level or position at the company um, that I'm working at. And um, I will say I have even had a direct manager tell me in a performance review, excuse me, that um, I should smile more and that I should make sure to, you know, put an upbeat and peppy kind of positive voice and statement at the beginning and the end of any direct requests. Um, And in that situation, it was, um, I think, that was one of the most predominant times that I was given that feedback about being difficult. And I just kind of walked away saying, okay, thank you for the feedback. And that was it. Um, However, particularly with my peers and of course, uh, you know, with other people on my team, I really do try to uh, have one-on-one conversations when I see the signs of them perceiving me that way, or, you know, also presenting microaggressions in their regular communications with me. And, you know, not necessarily to call them out in a way that says you're, you know, doing something wrong, but really to make them aware of the fact that they're doing it. Because unfortunately, I have come to realize that, uh, you know, sometimes people aren't aware and they do need that kind of mirror reflected back at them. And although those discussions are, you know, they're, they can be kind of stressful. And, you know, I will say that I haven't gotten into conversations like that with a bit of nerves. Um, I do think it's worth the time and it helps make each person we work with, our daily interactions and overall our teams and our companies and hopefully our industry better. Right. It's it's um, how much of the discomfort um, are we able to sit in? And um, it's almost like, do other people deserve to 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 be to be let in there into that discomfort, right? Because something they might be doing is so blatantly wrong. And 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 Steph, um, you know, you've been told that you're too peppy. You've been told the opposite, probably, of Kelly, like stop smiling or stop wearing li- red lipstick, or you're so I don't know, just like really superficial things that somehow seep under the surface of people's skins. So what are what are your thoughts and do you, you come at the end of your, your essay, which I think is lovely with the conclusion that, you know what, I'm just going to keep being myself. So how did you get to that point? And then I know you have some other thoughts. <laughs> oh, you know, I have so many thoughts. Um, Kelly, I 
empathize with you so much in that because I have absolutely been told the exact opposite that you've been told, um, which is that being peppy or, you know, overly uh, happy, frankly, um, overtly happy uh, makes me seem unprofessional. And yet then I deliver time and time and time and time again. <laughs> and um, I think, frankly, what's helped me to your question, Co, is therapy. Uh, I, not to, not to, you know, dump TMI on anybody, but it's a lot of self-reflection. I, because I always look inward first. If I have an issue in the office, it's always how, you know, what am I doing to cause this outcome? Understanding that I am not, you know, 100% responsible for any situation, but I always look inward and I'm a people pleaser. So I'm constantly spinning my wheels, spinning my wheels, trying to, you know, like, how can I make this better? And how can I appease these people? And I've been lucky enough to find a therapist. He's a special in um, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is all about training yourself and your triggers and how you respond to things. And um, he really gets me to a place where all I can do is show up. I can control who I am and what I deliver. But one thing he said to me time and time again is that sometimes people are assholes. Pardon my French. Um, sometimes that's that's just what it is. You, There is nothing you can do to change that. And so, you know, he also tells me that it's really important to keep perspective in proportion. And again, these are things where, you know, I want to be a problem solver. So if there's a problem, I'm like, you know, really racking my brain, trying to figure out how to solve it. Even if it's about me being too peppy, which come on, we all need a little pep in our lives. Um, and so I build it into this big thing. And then what happens is I become outwardly the opposite of who I am, right? Like I start to be outwardly stressed and annoyed, aggravated. And then the the perception switches because it's like, well, Steph, don't, you know, you set the tone in the room. So when you're like that, everyone's like that. So now it's a problem that I, you know, it's always a problem that I set the tone because it's the wrong tone that I'm setting at all times. Um, and so through therapy, it's been really, really helpful to recognize what I bring to the table and Seth Godin, I mean, shout out. Um, he saw this in me and I was very early days in therapy when he said that to me. And so I've had now four years to reflect on, on his comment about how he, he told me I was, um, so gracious in, in, um, generous in being an audience member. And literally all I was doing was like, listening intently. Um, so yeah, it, it's taken a long time, a lot of therapy, but here we are. I love that you shared that. Thank you so, so much. Um, as you, as you ladies know, you know, I'm 
such a huge um, mental health advocate. And what you described, Steph, and the people pleasing and the problem solving. I mean, most of us are problem solvers, right? We're, we're, we're resourceful and smart, but the other part sounds so exhausting, right? And I think the theme that I got from um, working with you on your piece was just this acceptance, not saying that you accept people's bad behaviors, but accepting that they're bad and, um, you know, just not walking away from it, but really instead of changing them, which is out of your control, um, is changing your reaction to that. So, you know, I, I know in my twenties, you know, in the TV industry, there were a lot of older white men. And, um, I think I was, if I spoke up, right, because I'm a I'm a timid Asian American woman, then I was seen as, well, first as a woman, emotional, and B, as like an angry person, right? And um, they wanted somebody who could fit the mold. And I was told growing up to, to not stir the pot, right? To not um, create more problems. So I, I think I've learned the balance of when to accept um, continue being who I am. And I hate this word because it's overused, but the authenticity, right? Um, and and letting that be my superpower, right? The ability to be flexible, um, the ability to express. And I've learned different ways to express myself. You know, maybe it's through words instead of my expressions on my face because I can't play poker. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you uh, for the virtual applause. Um, yes, Steph. I just need to tell you that I had a colleague um, actually tell me that I need better facial expressions. And specifically, um, your face, it, and by the way, this was uh, gaslighting, actually, because he was called like he was doing things that were aggressive in the workplace. And as a friend, I went to him and he came back at me with my face being the problem. That's all I got. Mm. Well, I obviously can relate to that stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to end this on a positive note. So, you know, as we close out, um, what is, uh, you know, one thing that you'd like to, to say, um, it could be anything. Cause I want to give you guys a little bit of the, the stage and, um, Kelly, let's start with you and then we'll go to Charlene and Steph. Sure. Thank you, Co. Um, I would just like to encourage everyone, you know, regardless of whether, you know, male, female, otherwise non-binary to just be, you know, try to be more aware um, of how the way that you communicate, particularly given this discussion with colleagues and clients and customers, et cetera, in the workplace, um, and how that might be affecting um, other people. And I think if we all, to Steph's point, um, really start within and start that internal reflection, we will, you know, call ourselves out, which of course is much better than someone else coming and trying to call us out. We will call ourselves out when we realize that, you know, maybe we are um, being, uh, you know, being putting too much pressure on someone or um, showcasing bias on someone where 
uh, we hadn't realized it. And I think if we all start there, the whole process of making workplace relationships and uh, helping to eliminate uh, stereotypes, particularly for women, will happen much faster. That's so great. Yeah, that's, Kelly, I, I'm going to build off of that a little bit, actually. I would say also empathize with the people around you. So when you're calling that woman aggressive or saying she's difficult or she's being the cheerleader, what's going on that's causing her those things, causing those things to come out, whether it's she's trying to meet the business goal and objective to make sure that everyone gets a bonus check at the end of the year, or she's working on building her team up to make sure that they can produce the best TV spot that they can produce, or you know, there's so many other pieces and parts or she's dealing with 15 clients all within one day. And so, yeah, moving a little bit faster is helpful. But I think the more we can put each ourselves in each other's shoes and be empathetic, especially in the world that we're living in right now with and all the things going on just in general in the world every day, it's something new on the TV um, or in the media that we're all being consumed by the better off we're all going to be. We're going to be reflecting inwards, but also taking a look at what others are going through and how can we help them reach those goals and objectives and understand their position and the things that they're going through. And it's not always about work. Sometimes it's 22 things going on at home or being consumed by the election results or you know, following along with the COVID cases and thinking through how you're going to make a a project work in the midst of everything going on. So that would be my number one thing for both men, women, non-binary, that we all just take a moment to be a little bit more empathetic to each other. Agreed with everything they just said. And I will add that find yourself a, a, a real sounding board to your life. Um, so I obviously have a therapist, but I also have a group of friends, some of whom don't know each other, but I have a group of friends who will give me feedback that's real. That And sometimes it's not, you know, I'll literally, there's one friend, I'm like, am I being too much here? And she'll be like, oh, scale that back, scale that back. You know, she's, she's that person for me. I have another person who, I swear to you, she should have been a therapist. Like she just knows my soul somehow, but she's able to really highlight my strengths and help me move forward really positively. And then I have like business maven friends, right. Who are able to, when I'm like, I, you know, I have X goal, I'm trying to figure out how to get there, who they'll help me with that. And I think that's really, really valuable. I also, I started a podcast about career development because I needed more uh, help in that way. And what I didn't realize is I was legit just creating my own, um, sort of, I was building my network of my sounding board for that. So, um, all in all though, get a group of women or a group of people, humans, like we have on this call. I know that I can call any of you and I've not necessarily done that, but I respect you so much and I respect what you've done so much. And if you lean into those you respect, I think you're only going to, you know, come out on top. Absolutely. Well, I do want to thank the three of you for 
this very wonderful conversation. I appreciate it so much. And you can read um, all of their essays on adweek.com. This episode was produced by yours truly, edited by Lane McGivney with Music by Home. Um, be sure to leave us a review or subscribe for Adweek. I'm Ko Im. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.